Good seeing you. Hi, good people. Hey, let's welcome the online audience. Can we do that? There's always a bunch of families joining us online. We love you. Thanks for joining us as well. If you're new this morning, welcome. We're glad that you chose to spend time with the, uh, the Grace Church family. I knew it would do this. I almost said Lifeway Church. For seven years, I said Lifeway Church. <clears throat> we are at Grace Church, and we're just so thankful that you're here with the church family um, participating and worshiping with us. Hey, happy Memorial Day coming up tomorrow. We celebrate. Um, I just want to honor those who are... Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't want us to like lose the, the the spirit that we're in. But I want to pause and allow time for grieving. Is that okay? We can both celebrate what God is doing and allow time for mourning at the same time. Is that okay? But really, I was thinking about all the folks that may be here, most likely here, or watching online that are grieving this morning, thinking about those that you lost, who gave their lives for what we're celebrating this morning. We can meet like we do because of the sacrifices that many of those men and women made, gave their lives for our country. So we celebrate that. <clears throat> I woke up thinking about Alicia's grandfather who, uh, who passed away just a couple months ago. And we, when we celebrated his life, I had no idea the sacrifices he made and the places he went in the, in the Marines and, and all of that. But I was just sensing before we get into the message this morning, look, there, there's a time to mourn, you know, right? Ecclesiastes, time to celebrate, time to mourn. All of you that are grieving a loss this morning, so of course those who, who um, died because they gave their lives in the, the, the Marines or Army or whatever, but those of you that are just grieving the loss, maybe you had a loved one pass away recently or you lost something else, I would love if you just pause with me, put your hand on your heart. If you can, put your hand right here. And I just want to declare over you that the Holy Spirit is comforting those who mourn. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for you that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in the form of a comforter today. And you, you, are, you, you can celebrate the life, and you can celebrate the impact these folks had on your life. But as you say, Holy Spirit, I celebrate that he's coming to you now and comforting you in a thousand ways. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Lord. Amen. Guys, still good? Hallelujah. Well, hey, um, this is the end of our series called Mission. I'm sure we'll, re we'll revisit all the stuff that we talked about, a lot of the messages I packed in as much as I possibly could so that we're not here for a whole year. But um, it'll take years, maybe even uh, months for sure, to, to launch everything that we would love to launch and to take Grace Church into the next season that God has for us. And that's okay. As we launch stuff, we'll, we'll revisit the concepts that we talked about and all the practical ways. But we're going to wrap it up. But today, I want to talk about what's called values. Um, what are our missional values that guide us? And y'all know we have values that, that we make our decisions by, right? In some way, shape, or form, um, the foundational ways that we... So what, what I want to talk about today is the foundational values that guide Grace Church ministry, the way we teach and build and lead. Um, and, then, and, then, and then by these values, we evaluate our services and our groups and the ministries that we have. And, but we keep these principles in mind. And 
And it's good for you just to note, we'll talk about some of them, probably not all of them, of course, but some of them that I thought was important and also helps for you to get to know me better, who Alicia and I are. And of course, we have a lot of conversations with Pastor Ray, but we get a lot of questions from you guys and rightfully so. I don't know you and you still don't honestly know me super well. And so these are some of the values that we've come to embrace biblically over the years. And I just woke up going, uh, you know, people need to know this stuff and um, what I'm not talking about today, and we're certainly not changing what I believe is the core beliefs of Grace Church. And if you want those again, they're on our website. Just look for um, what we believe, core beliefs. It's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Bible, man, salvation, heaven and hell, the church. We're not changing that. We're not modifying the core belief doctrines of the church. Is that okay? Everybody take a deep breath. Whoo, thank God. <laughs> no, we're, we're building upon that. That That's not going to change because um, <clears throat> the Bible doesn't change. Amen. <laughs> um, so throughout this message, what I would love for you to do is like, okay, well, great. He's going to talk about Grace Church and who they are as leadership team. But, but really what I would love is this, if throughout this message, you would uh, ask yourself the question again and again, what are my core values? By what do I make decisions and what core values guide my life? And if I made a decision to do this, buy that, go here, say that, what core values are you operating out of? And revisit that. Is that okay? Because it's, we are made up of people. We're not just an organization and a building. Amen. We'll, we'll get to that later. But we're actually a people group. And so we could have core values. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But Grace Church is made up of you. And, and so you actually make the culture. You can actually help set culture. Quite frankly, you do set culture. <laughs> you believe you're, just, you're not just a person in a pew. Uh, I'm sorry, we don't have pews. We have seats, comfortable seats, I might add. But that, that, that's not all that you do. You actually set, set core values in the church just by who you are and how you interact with people and your belief systems are, are known eventually. And so it really matters. So as we go through this, just ask yourself that question. Amen. So... I, w- I really enjoyed my time in, in the production world. Um, I was there for about 18 years, and I worked at a few different production facilities. But at the first one I worked at, um, I was a brand new supervisor, and they had asked me to start leading a night shift crew. And because I was so new, and so were the other two supervisors were fairly new in this company, trying to figure out how to lead these groups of people and build the production that we were building. And they hired this, this consultant. And um, this was about the third or fourth consultant that I'd seen come through there. And I honestly rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, someone else that has no idea what we're doing day to day but wants to tell me how to live my life. That's what I thought, right? And honestly, this one consultant honestly was a different guy. And he actually had worked in production somewhere here in the city of Reading, actually, at this place called Arrow International. He had years of experience for us uh, coming into our company. And actually, what he did is he got on the floor with us. And he would actually get into the production world you know, uh, with us. And I called him eventually my manufacturing father because he was so influential in my life. And um, we, had, we had a lot of conversations. We had conversations not about work, right? That's how good he was. We had conversations about parenting. I'd come home with parenting tips from him and going, this is my consultant. And Alicia's like, what's he consulting you on? But it's really good stuff. And, um, but he told me one thing that I'll never, ever forget. And, 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 and I want to apply it to this message today because I thought about him this week again. He said, Vern, you decide in advance how you're going to be. 
before you get onto that floor, before you arrive at the facility, you decide in advance what values you carry and how you're going to function. You don't decide when the moment happens, when the moment of decision happens, or when you're triggered by someone, because people will make you angry. Come on, somebody. Somebody's showing up late. Somebody's showing up high. <laughs> somebody makes product that you have to reject, and there goes $100,000 down the drain, and it's on your watch, and you're going... I so need to fire someone right now. You know, no, you can get angry. And he said, you decide in advance how you're going to respond if these things occur. And, and it's really, he really made me pause and go, what are my core values? What do I live out of? And one of the things he drove home, he's like, you decide to come in with a smile on your face. You say hello, you say hello cheerful good morning to all your crew. You know, and I started, because I, I, I have, I can easily dive into rejection, like, what if someone's grumpy? What if they don't like me? What if they've had, what if they didn't get any sleep? And he's like, I don't care how they are. You decide who you are, and you decide what you're going to be no matter what. And I did that. And the people that didn't like to say good morning learned to say good morning. You know, it took them a year. Some of them, it actually took them a few months, like, oh my gosh, here comes Varen. Good morning. <laughs> but he said, you set culture. And you set your values and you live by them no matter what your employees or your neighbors or even your coworkers are doing. Amen, somebody? Amen. So value number one, value number one, we value word and spirit. Somebody say word and spirit. I, feel, I like the word balance, but sometimes I like the word tension. There's a tension between the two, perhaps. And the, the, when I say tension, I don't mean that negative. I mean like a guitar string. You actually need tension for it to play beautifully, right, Mr. Eberly? It's got to be tuned properly, right, for you to strum that thing and make it to sound harmonious. And so I like to use the word tension more than balance, but we value the word, meaning the Bible, as in Scripture and the Spirit. And let's get into that. Some, some ministries and miracles that we experience are not all found in Scripture. Again, you got to take a deep breath because he's like, right away you go, oh my gosh, where is he going? This is cultish. No, I don't, I don't mean that. Um, you know, for example, um, summer camp uh, coming up isn't found in the Bible, is it? They didn't have a place for kids, <laughs> right? And so as you, neither is youth ministry necessarily found in Scripture. But we believe those things are still breathed by the Holy Spirit in getting kids and getting cultures, you know, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and teaching and training and all those things and equipping the next generations. But just because it's not in Scripture doesn't mean. So in other words, can we be led by the Holy Spirit instead of only what's written in the scriptures. And so, obviously, yes, we can. However, here's the big however. Nothing that we do should violate scripture. Amen, somebody? And so the scripture doesn't, isn't against things, and so we value everything. So, you know, some people that you've met and I've met, it's like, well, that's not in the Bible. Yeah, but is it against the Bible? Does it violate scripture? No, I guess it does. Okay, we, we might do it if the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding, and directing us to do that. And so we believe in what I would call uh, the Logos and the Rhema Word, right? And so let me just explain that for, for just a little bit. Like, 
like the Logos is the word of God as in written form, right? God's word objectively recorded in the Bible, scriptures, and wow, do we have a lot of translations to choose from now? We have no excuse, do we? All these translations on my Bible app, all the translations on BibleGateway.com, and then all my, all my hardcover Bibles that I still have at home, I have like at least four or five that I sometimes dig out, plus the Strong's Concordance. Come on, we lived in a blessed nation. And talking about Memorial Day weekend, sometimes I pause and realize what, what they actually fought for and gave up their lives for to have such a blessing in front of us. Just people in China who still don't own a Bible and Papua New Guinea and places like that. And they would actually give their right hand to own the word of God. <clears throat> so anyway, the scripture, the logos, very, very, very important that we have it all together in one place, the canon of Scripture. And then there's this thing called the rhema word is the word of God spoken to us at a specific occasion or for a specific occasion by the Holy Spirit supernaturally. Things that you may or may not have read in the, in the Scriptures, but again, it doesn't violate Scripture. And so Grace Church believes that both are possible. The God of the Bible, who wrote the Bible, inspired the Bible, is the author that is still living. And he, it's why it's called the living word, right? And so, yes, we read the scriptures every day, hopefully. But I, I couldn't turn to scripture to say, are we called to go to Grace Church? I, there's no Bible verse that says, Vernon Alicia Shell. Moved to Berks County, hallelujah. It's not in Psalms either, I looked. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit did prompt us, and nothing violated scripture. He led us and guided us supernaturally, amen. That's called a, a rhema word, a now word. The, the scripture can become rhema when you're reading it and going, that applies to me right now, today. I'm gonna bring that into the now because it's a word for my specific circumstance. It's, it's a now word. It becomes the rhema now word of God. Amen, somebody? So sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, and that's okay. So here's some examples of what I would call the Logos word, 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 16, 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's, that's known as the Logos word of God. It's called the scriptures. James 1, but be doers of the Logos, James says, doers of the word and not hearers only. That means if you're reading something, you should be asking the Holy Spirit to say, how do I bring that into action? How do I, how do I actually carry that out in my life? And then you have some examples of what we call the rhema word of God, John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he's gonna write a Bible for you. Oh, it doesn't say that. Oh, it says he will guide you. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, this is stretching one or two of you. But he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak, and he'll declare to you things that are to come. Now, he is the one that inspired the Holy Scriptures, but he's also still the one that can speak outside of Scriptures and provide a miracle, a sign, and a wonder, a word in due season. And he's not limited to the Scriptures, but he will never violate his own word. Amen? Why would he say something in Scripture that he wouldn't say to you in person, right? Um, I always tell people, if you want to learn to hear God, then get interested in what he already said. If you're interested in what he already said and you're reading his diaries and his stories and how he interacted with people for thousands of years, you will more quickly learn to hear what I call the rhema word of God for your life today. And so I, I believe that's true. And so we'll talk more of that sometime about how to hear God. I love teaching that actually. Yeah, you can actually teach people how to hear God, right? I believe it's possible. Um, so to end that, 
particular point, do you value the written word? And where do you, how, how you know, scale of one to 10, just evaluate right now what the Holy Spirit in you, do you value the written word and interacting with it? And the same time, value the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have you developed spiritual listening skills as well as a discipline in studying the written word? Amen? Because at Grace Church, I'll, I'll close again by repeating myself, we value both. And we believe that God doesn't just speak through pastors, teachers, prophets. He speaks to you because you're a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Number two, we value the presence of God. Um, another word for that is anointing, this thing called anointing. We have a, a high value for the presence of God, as you always have, but I, I want you to hear it from me um, because we've already had some discussions on staff and elsewhere just about, about cultivating an atmosphere of, of his presence. And um, I love that. And, and as time goes on, you hear more of my journey, but um, when I was introduced to what I would call the manifest presence of God, what I don't like is, is messages that say you have to pray until God comes. I think that's anti-scriptural. I actually think when you're, when you're saved and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't up and leave you. That's Old Testament stuff. He stays with you. However, you know, if, if you would liken it to me and Alicia being married, sometimes we're driving and not talking. Sometimes we're in the same house, but we're not talking. Is that Okay. We allowed to just coexist in silence. <laughs> but sometimes she's manifesting. <laughs> sometimes she's talking and we're interacting and sometimes we're doing stuff together and there's a lot of dialogue going on and sometimes I'm animated, sometimes she's animated, right? And so we're, we're working through something. So the Holy Spirit is the same way. He doesn't up and leave you. It's not like he unmarries you, but sometimes he likes to manifest his glory and he manifests his goodness and he heals, and he provides miracles, signs, and wonders. And, but, but the thing that we love to cultivate is a sense of a manifest presence of God. I was introduced to that at a very young age. Age 19, I got saved, and, and I had been in the world for a while. I, I was just done with God. And, but I worked with this very charismatic Pentecostal youth leader, showed up at the place where I worked, invited me to his church about 100 times. I finally went, and I was stunned that they were clapping and dancing, and the music was like an 80s rock band, and, and it was just over my head. Man, I, I was just not, I was, you know, from a very liturgical, old school background, and I was just not ready for that. And it really, it really scared me. Honestly, I said I would never go back. This is crazy. I think I stood and sat and stood there like this. I wouldn't move. I was just petrified. And people were speaking in tongues behind my back. I didn't know that then. I thought they knew Swahili or something. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> the pastor said, let's pray. And they all started praying. All 200 people started praying out loud. I, this is crazy. This is definitely, I should have listened to my parents and stayed away from this cult. <laughs> but guess where I was next Sunday? I went right back. And, and I actually thought about later what drew me back. There was something in the atmosphere. There was something in the atmosphere that I could not explain and I was way too curious to stay away. Now I know that it's the manifestation of God's presence and the only way that I could explain it in natural terms, because it's hard to do, isn't it? If you've experienced it, I would explain it like an electricity in the air. 
But you walk into that atmosphere and then worship starts and everyone's just either worshiping in tongues, praying in tongues, and they're really vibrant in their worship. It created an atmosphere of God's manifest presence. And I've experienced that many, many, many times over the years, but especially during the, the Toronto blessing days and the things of that outpouring of revival. Yes, it got really weird. We'll talk about that sometime. But nevertheless, there was a manifestation of God's presence so strong that when you would land in that parking lot up in Toronto, and I, I visited there with my, with my Bible school friends. There was, a, there was almost like an electricity in the air. And you would walk in. I walked in and just started crying. Other people walked in and just fell over. Other people waited till the worship was over to fall over or start manifesting. It was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And then it hit my Bible school. We'd be in chapel all day long sometimes. And the professors were like, whatever, let them soak in the presence of God. I woke up. I remember one day I woke up halfway through the day, and I, want, where, where, and I realized I'd been in the chapel for about three or four hours, completely passed out in the presence of God. Maybe I fell asleep. I don't know what happened. I remember they were praying for people, and that's the last I remember, right? But the soaking of the manifest presence of God changes us. Come on, it changes us from glory to glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more of that. I don't believe in jumping through hoops to make it happen. I just believe in, in cultivating hunger. That's all. Because we can get into rituals that say, we're going to do this and sing this special song and make it happen. It never works. But nevertheless, you know, I, believe that, I believe that we should be hungry for that manifest, manifestation of God's presence, not only here at Grace Church, but in our lives. Amen. I've had the same thing happen to me when I was walking in the park. I don't have to be in a chapel necessarily. But there was a place in Exodus 33 where Moses said, um, he said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, God... Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And then God said back to him, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I'm going to give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Let me stay put. Let me park here. If your presence is here, then here I stay. But if you're telling me to go up, I want your manifest presence with us, God. <clears throat> Amen, somebody? And I just feel like that's the cry of my heart as well. We could do a lot of things. I could read a lot of books nowadays. I could go to the Christian bookstore and Amazon and get a lot of books about church growth and how to do this program and how to do that program. And a lot of them are amazing. A lot of them are awesome. But if the manifest presence of the Lord is not attached to these things, um, come on, it's kind of a waste of time. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, amen. There's a place in Acts that I was thinking about this week where... Um, um, now, when they saw, the people saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and a common man, and they were astonished. Um, and I love this phrase because it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And, um, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But I was thinking about that this week. And yeah, it might have been practical. Like they recognized that these men had traveled with Jesus and maybe someone had a memory of them being Jesus' disciples. But also I was just thinking about that prophetically. Like when I'm in a culture and I'm in a group or I'm in a friend circle or I'm in the world, come on, I'm out shopping or I'm going to the bank. I, I just, what I crave is somebody to say, hmm, it's almost as if that person's been with Jesus. Because literally, not figuratively, literally, 
we are and should be with Jesus the same way through the person of the Holy Spirit interacting with him on a daily basis. Come on, it's the author that's still alive in us. And when people in encounter us, don't you want that cry going on? What? They, they're kind of acting like Jesus, that person I heard about, right? And I, I, feel, like, I feel like what they sensed, uh, maybe more than just having been with Jesus in a practical way, they could sense what this thing called anointing. By the way, the anointing, as we call it, it's kind of a Pentecostal charismatic word, but it's in scripture. How about that? The anointing really means a smearing. It actually, what the word means, smearing. But it really means the smearing of the oil of the Holy Spirit, right? It means that there's a tangible presence, you know, in you that you carry, and his name is Holy Spirit. According to 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. That's the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, also, Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me uh, to proclaim good news to the poor. So, <clears throat> I believe that as Christians, when we're aware, 100% aware that the person of the Holy Spirit is in me, and, and because of that, I have an anointing that is on me. And when you bump up against people, they get smeared, and you become tangible. And they won't know what hit them. And some people might start weeping and some people might start repenting. I have more than, more than people, uh, more than uh, a dozen for sure treat me like a Catholic priest. Um, and we start repenting of all their sins. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun, but I pray for them. And there's something that happens. The sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit can happen when they're in your presence. Because you're carrying something and his name is Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know about Grace Church. I haven't asked Pastor Ray about this, but I know when we were at Lifeway over all these years, we would get accused of, of being that, that seeker-friendly church. Um, and, and the other word is seeker-sensitive. And what, what people are, are, are talking about is you know, a larger church, typically some mega churches, who worry mostly about people and their comfortability more than the gospel. And so what those churches tend to do, some of them, is to water down the gospel and preach less of the Bible and more TED Talks. <laughs> you know, I just want you to feel happy, you know. So that's what they're talking about. But I sure as heck don't want to be in a seeker-unfriendly church. How about you? The opposite of that would be seeker insensitive, and what that is like for a new believer to come in is painful, where they go, wow, these, all these mature people in the Lord, and they won't help me even get to, to base one or teach me more of the gospel or even tell me what Bible to, to purchase and things like that. So I wouldn't want to be that. I believe that what we can be, we can actually learn to host the presence of the Lord very, very well, at the same time host people very, very well. I actually don't think you have to ditch one to get the other, in my opinion. Amen, somebody? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're all on the same page, Pastor Ray. <laughs> Do you value the presence of God in your daily life? Yes, here at Grace Church when you're with your family, but in your daily life, or is this a Sunday expectation? I'm going to church to experience something that I don't experience normally. Let me challenge you. The presence of God is with you always. Do you cultivate a worship and prayer life 
during the week? And what does that look like for you? Do you actively pursue this thing we call anointing? By the way, before I move on to the next one, our next series is gonna be called Engage. It's a Holy Spirit series, and we're gonna start that next week. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna dive into the Holy Spirit, his nature, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, baptism. Yes, we're even gonna talk about tongues. And I believe that it's, that it's time that those types of things become popular again in our culture. There was a time, you know, back to the Jesus movement where, where those things were prevalent and every, it just seemed like you said boo or something like that and people would get saved. I heard stories, Alicia's parents and, and all those, they got saved during the Jesus movement. I actually think Pastor Ray was part of that as well. You know, but we're gonna see revival again where people look at that stuff and instead of instantly going, that's weird, they're gonna say, give me more. I want some of that and teach me about the ways of the Holy Spirit and his power. So, Amen. We value the presence of God. Number three, we value fruit-bearing ministries. I, I, I said this because the Bible talks about fruitfulness. There's a few verses talk about prosperity, but it talks about fruitfulness, that our lives should bear much fruit, amen? So there's a lot of scripture that talks about that. Other people like to say relevant ministries. Well, I'm okay with that, but relevancy, you have to really, really define relevancy for sure. Like what they mean is we, we value relevant ministries, meaning it's making impact on people's lives in such a way that's applicable to my today. You know, I have to go to work. We live in this particular culture. Let's actually preach and teach in such a way that I can use this on a Monday morning when I get up for work. Amen. And so I believe that. But the Bible talks doesn't use the word relevant. <laughs> I, I'm okay with the word relevant. It's quite frankly way overused. But I like the word fruit bearing because that's what scripture actually talks about. Um, Matthew 7, starting at 15, um, he says, he sa Jesus says to them, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. I mean, what comes out of them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or are figs from thistles? And so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Somebody say fruits. That's how we know that something is worth keeping around, you know, is it like a, like a program or you know, whatever it is we launch. And so I'm all for <clears throat> launching lots of different things. As you've heard in this series, we have, uh, Alicia and I have been given a large vision and, and I believe we can launch a lot of what I call life-giving ministries. And so in the future, we just want to launch and promote groups of all kinds, as you heard, and events for family to get together and events in the community and ministries and teams and missionaries and pastors and teachers and evangelists and all that stuff. But listen, if the fruit produces people who bear the image of Jesus. Did you hear me say if? And I'm all for technology, by the way. I'm, I, I'm, I'm an admirer of all the new things and all the technologies coming, coming down the line. I think we should use it all if we can. We can't afford it all, but I think we should use it all where we can. All the technology, all the apps that are out there, AVL means audio, video, lighting, and computers, etc. of all kinds. Now listen, if the fruit produces people who bear the image of Jesus. And there is a big if because you can do all of that stuff without an anointing. And, and you can use all the technology in the world, but then there's that if. 
What are we producing? You should be the judge of that. I can be the judge of that. But the Father is looking for fruit, for real fruit that lasts. Amen, somebody? Do you, do you keep things in your life or add things to your life that do not bear good fruit? Is it time for the pruning of some things that you've done just because of ritual, tradition, Maybe you have some sacred cows going on in your life. I don't know. We say sacred cows because, you know, we can't slaughter them, right? How the, uh, some, some nations worship cows. That's, what that, that's where that phrase comes from. Something toxic, something outdated, something dead but time-consuming. Um, and maybe there's something new that you're like, I have to do this thing to keep up with the Joneses because my next-door neighbors or my family or my culture is moving forward so rapidly, I'm compelled to get this app. Monitor the fruitfulness. Does it actually help? Is it relevant to your life? Meaning, does it actually help me to bear the image of Jesus Christ? And so that should be the way that we value such things or don't value those things and start snip snipping. (laughs) I haven't spent much time in a vineyard, but I'm kind of intrigued by the process of how Um, you know, when they really want grapes to produce and grow, man, they will cut those grapes back to almost nothing. And you will walk through at that time, or you've seen it on YouTube perhaps, and those, those, those plants look like they will never bear fruit again. But man, when the harvest season is, you, you are surprised at, at the fruit after they, um, after they prune it properly. So amen, sometimes it's, it's okay to prune some stuff in our lives. Y'all still breathing? <laughs> Number four, values that guide us. Um, we value mission more than method. <clears throat> Pastor Jimmy uh, at Lifeway Church, where we spent the last seven years, um, he would always say, we're married to the mission, not the method. He would repeat this a hundred times, and he, of course, the staff talked about it a lot. Um, is there a method that we're married to instead of the mission? And so um, we learned to just just evaluate that time and time and time again so that we stick with the mission and allow the methods to be fluid. You know, we love our, there's, there's could be, met, I'm not saying you, you adopt any method possible. There could be methods that would be wrong, but the methods could be fluid. Our mission is what's really important, amen? And so, you know, I would say many, many, many years ago when Alicia and I started, uh, many years ago, right? Alicia and I started to use Google more, more readily and I was working in production, so we had to use a lot more Google calendars and scheduling programs. And I said to her, Tom, I got her permission to tell this story, by the way, um, <laughs> in case you think <laughs> I'm throwing my wife under the bus. But, but I said to her many times, like, we should use Google Calendar for our home calendar. She had her, her paper calendar tucked away in the kitchen and if I didn't remember what was on there during the day, I didn't have access to it. I would forget to check it, right? And then I would schedule something, and then she would tell me to cancel it because she already scheduled something that night, right? So, stuff like that. And I'm like, we should have Google Calendar so that we could have access to it on my work computer and our home computer. It took years for her to do away with her paper calendar. And, and it's just, you know, I know you guys have never fought about anything, but that's the one thing we probably fought on for quite a few years. There was a day when she said, I'm gonna try this. I'm just gonna try this. But I'm just not sure if I can get used to all this digital stuff, right? She was a stay-at-home mom at the time. She had some part-time jobs. Once she started using it, she became the guru of calendars. 
We have a calendar, a digital calendar for everything. We have a calendar for each of our kids so we know when they're home from college, back from college, and she even color codes the, all the kids' events, right? She's amazing at calendar. She's way better than I ever was. And now, now if, I'm, if I'm asking, we're talking, she's like, did you check the calendar? <laughs> she's actually telling me to check our digital calendars uh, right and left. And so sometimes we don't want to get rid of our methods because we're comfortable there, right? It's what we've always done. I know exactly where the thing is kept and exactly how to, how to, how to do my stuff. And then, and then when we adopt the new, I can tell you sometimes it's way better than what we thought it could be. Amen, somebody? And so here's a, here's a quote. I found some old quotes for you just for fun. Here's a quote um, from 1903. I do not believe the introduction of motor cars will ever affect the riding of horses. <laughs> Mr. Scott Montage, a member of parliament in the United Kingdom in 1903. He was sorely mistaken and very stuck in a rut. <laughs> Here's another quote for you. Who would want a copy, who would want to copy a document on plain paper? Wow. Somebody who just couldn't see past the next bend in the road. Rejection letter, that's a rejection letter in 1940 to Chester Carlson, who's the inventor of the Xerox machine. In fact, over 20 companies rejected his useless idea between 1939 and 1944. Even the National Inventors Council dismissed it back then. Today, the ranked Xerox Corporation has an annual revenue in the range of $1 billion. Come on, somebody. One more, just for fun. There is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. <laughs> Ken Olson, the president, chairman, and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in the year 1977. I was already alive then. Come on, that isn't that long ago. And that's what he said just a few short years ago. Why would anybody in their right mind <laughs> want a computer in their Now we don't just have them in our homes. We have them in our pockets. We carry them literally everywhere. <clears throat> he could not see it. Stuck in methods, um, could not see the mission. Are we afraid of new methods like these guys are? Or afraid of thinking outside the box? And so think about it. Think about it in your personal life. Think about it when it comes to Grace Church. But let's talk about Jesus for a moment. I was thinking about where you find this in Scripture. And what I love about Jesus, it's really, really hard if you, if you watch his life to start your own healing ministry because you can't figure out his method. He would actually touch some people, and then he would smear mud on the other guy <laughs> and heal him that way, and then he would just speak to some other people, and then he would tell the other person, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and then you'll get healed. And the other time, he's just walking through town, minding his own business, going from here to there, and the woman touches the hem of his garment and is healed. And so when you read all the miracles and all the stories, you're going, he's married to the mission, not the method. Because the method could change every day. He could speak. Matter of fact, the one time he said, go home, your daughter's made well. And the daughter wasn't even in his presence. That's how powerful of an anointing that he carried. But no one could figure out how he was going to do it. But the end result was always the same. The person was healed. That's really what we're after, right? Those of us who are married to the methods try to hone in and go, it's always supposed to be done this way. Even Jesus didn't function like that. Amen, somebody? And then those of us who are saying, but I thought God never changes, man. God is always, 
you know, the same yesterday, today. Yes, God is the same, but in Daniel 2, 20, 21, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. And listen to this, God, he changes times and seasons. God is the same, but he says it's a different time and it's a different season. And he removes kings and sets up kings and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Yes, we serve a God who doesn't change, but he does allow the changing of times and seasons and cultures that we live in. Amen, somebody? Are you stuck in methods just because it's your favorite method? Are you consumed with my preference more than accomplishing the actual mission? And I'm going to move on. Is that okay? <laughs> Love you guys. Number five, we value people more than processes, or you could say people more than productions. Some people say people over systems, and I'm okay with that too. But I want, I want you to just hear <clears throat> that we have a, a higher value for people just because we have a lot of processes and, of course, productions. Um, Matthew 16, 18, and he says to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, which is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Um, he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That word, that Greek word for the word church is ecclesia, right? I and mean, you might have heard this before, but it doesn't mean building as in the actual building called Grace Church. It actually means a people group, a called out people group, a civil body of select ones. The, he called them elected people, and it's a gathering of specific people that believed in the name of Jesus, so he called them and, and, and ecclesia. And so we, we have to keep that in mind that, that when we talk about church, what should be top priority as we're growing a thing, managing a thing, and leading a thing is people. We're actually talking about a church of people groups. Amen. And souls are what's most important. I'll probably have to just preach this again and again because in this culture we live in, we can easily lose our way, can we not? And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, again, do church building and, and people focus on how comfortable the seats are and do we, did we purchase the right toilet paper for the bathrooms and, and things like that. <laughs> I'm just being funny. But, you know, is the coffee the right brand and, and all this stuff? And are people comfortable um, because of the building? And they, put, they can put a lot, a lot of energy. Now, do we have processes and systems? Of course we do. But we create systems and processes to serve the mission. So just like you have a computer, but the computer should be serving your values and your missions instead of you being a slave to the actual system itself. Amen, somebody? And so if we're not careful, we get it backwards. And so I just thought I'd get that out there today. Do, do we value people more than processes, productions, buildings, and budgets? Um, <clears throat> and so I'll finish with that by asking again the very personal question, do you value people in your life more than your traditions? your stuff or your money or your schedule or your task lists or your daily rituals and our people first. And so I, I, I tell you what, what we value, but then our personal lives can sometimes look different than our public lives, amen? And so we're made up of what you're made up of as well. And so Grace Church family is you. And so do you value people more than all the stuff in the world uh, as we endeavor to say in this place called Grace Church, we value people more than production or processes. 
And so together, we create a culture that I believe people will want to join, you know. And uh, we went through seasons where it seemed like we didn't have to go fishing, and fish were jumping in the boat. You know, we would just <laughs> open the doors, and people fly in. Then you go through other seasons where you're like, man, I should invite my neighbors. I don't see many new people coming on. But I'm, I'm predicting and I'm prophesying that we're entering a season where because of what you carry, when the revelation hits you again and again because of the anointing that you carry and the atmosphere that you you create, your family and friends and people who know you want to join you. And they want to come in and say, that family that you're part of, that church that you attend, um, you know, that religious thing that you're doing, some of them might say, how do I get in? And I'm, I'm prophesying another season like that because there's many, many people, not just one, but dozens of people have seen we're headed straight into another Jesus revolution, just like back in the 60s and 70s. I, wasn't, I was only born in 71, and then I wasn't old enough to remember any of it. I just heard all these stories coming down from our forefathers and, and mothers who said, what an amazing time. And so are we ready? And so these values will guide us through those kinds of seasons of revival, seasons of maintaining, and other seasons of revival. Amen, somebody? Amen. Would you stand with me today? <clears throat> Thank you. Love you guys. I'm going to just want to read a final verse over you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, in all of your ways. See, it says your ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. He will straighten your paths. Before we leave today, we always like to allow for the gospel to be preached, and today it's going to be in a very simple form, but I don't want to do it too, too quick, but we want to allow those in the house and those watching online to say, you know, I see your values, but I'm not sure that I value the same thing. I'm not sure if I've made Jesus Christ my Lord. I'm not sure if I've made him captain of my life, Lord of my life. I'm not sure who I follow. If you're ready to do that today, we would love to just pause right here and pray with you. We won't call you out to the front. We just wanna say, do you say that you and your household serve the Lord personally? Every eye closed for just a moment. We do this so that people have a personal moment and a personal space so they're thinking about it. If you want us to pray with you right now just to launch a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd love for you to just shoot your hand up in the air real high so I can see it. <clears throat> amen and amen. Anybody else? I see you. So proud of you. Thank you so much. I see two people. If you're online, you can raise your hand by just typing something in Facebook Live and say, I accept Jesus Christ today. Something like that. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Hey, let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my personal Savior. I repent of all my sins and I receive your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me and fill me completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to Jesus today. So proud of you. <clears throat> If that was you that said yes to Jesus, we have a book for you that we would love for you to pick up on your way out at our next step station right outside the door. It's called Following Jesus. It'll help you get launched on your journey. That's a free gift to you. We would love 
Any of you that are new to Grace Church, if you're visiting or you still consider yourself new, stop by the Next Step Station. We have a gift for you just for visiting, hanging out with us. Give us your information on a Connect card. Um, the only thing you would get is an email right now, possibly a letter that says, here's some next steps into Grace Church if that's what you want. But we'd love to just keep praying for you as you journey with God. We also have what's called a, uh, a summer camp donation station in our lobby that's out there to your left. Stop by and see what they need for a successful summer camp. And uh, they're asking some people to just borrow some things, but other people to bring a few goods that they would like to use. And together, many hands make the work light. Amen. We're going to all uh, join together in that. Also, the final thing is we have prayer teams right here after the last song. We're going to go into one more song of worship. We will love for you. You don't have to rush out. We would love for you to join us front here in prayer. We'll contend with you for breakthrough in your life, whatever it is you're looking for. And maybe you need a prophetic word. Maybe you just need God to speak to you. We'll, we'll pray and ask for God to invade your life in some way for healing, for miracles and signs and wonders, for whatever it is that you need today. You ready to worship one more time? I am too. Bless you guys. Love you so much. <clears throat>